0: Thanks for listening to the Media People podcast, lively and insightful chats with the people who power the media industry. I'm your host, Victor Genova. For more episodes, you can go to mediapeople.ca or subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Views expressed by participants are personal. Sales and marketing, two departments that at any time could be working in harmony or at each other's throats. And today's guest, Jennifer DeFrenza, has had a seat at both tables. Jennifer is the VP of Marketing for Shurex, a company offering insurance products for consumers and businesses. But before moving into marketing, she had a successful career as a media sales professional working for companies such as Rogers Media, the Weather Network and Expedia. Jennifer DeFrenza stops by to chat about growing up in Toronto, completing most of the eighth grade in Red Deer, Alberta and going from chasing marketing dollars to controlling marketing budgets.
1: I pretty much run the branding side of, of So You know, I was employee number one um, for team marketing, which was really exciting. So they did a little bit before I started, but they were like, you know, we need to do a little bit more and get our name out there. We obviously started in Alberta. That's where our head office is. So I uh, I started just over four years ago. And at that time, they were about to rebrand, new logo, new website and uh and I walked, so i've I've done a lot of things, wore a lot of different hats, obviously, as you do on a small team. We've grown uh, quite a bit, so I uh, I kind of manage the the side of the brand, so social uh, reviews, the website, that sort of thing, and then uh, my boss kind of handles more of the the lead gen and the paid marketing and that sort of thing. I do help, of course, but uh, yeah, I would say more of my stuff is on the the branding side of of Surex these days. So, and and Surex, I don't think I said we are an online insurance brokerage, uh, primarily selling home and auto insurance.
0: We should have totally attached some sort of like lead generation or affiliate marketing tag to this just to see what kind of traction we could have gotten from that. That would have been awesome. Jen, let's go back to the beginning. You're from suburban Toronto, Etobicoke, correct?
1: That is correct. Yes.
0: So tell us what life was like growing up in Etobicoke because, you know, that's what I call home now and I'm from Mississauga. So I'm just literally one town over.
1: Yeah, so um obviously it's changed a lot since I lived there. Every so often I drive back or I go to see friends and I'm like, oh my god, there's another condo or there's this or that. But yeah, when I was there, I was you know fairly young families. Um went to school at Michael Power. I was, you know, a little bit behind my my brothers and sisters. There's 12 years between me and my next oldest brother. Um, so they were all power kids too. Um, I actually went to the new campus at uh, Renforth and Rathburn. So we were actually the first grade nine class to start there. I'm not sure that's good for people who are trying to figure out how old I am, but that was me. Um so yeah, it was, you know, pretty low-key town. We um you know it hasn't changed a lot. The only thing that I would say changed a ton. Sherway was like our stomping ground so we took the bus we went down the west mall we went down to sherway and that was like the cool place to hang out if the mall now was what it was then it would not be like it's super bougie now so fancy um it wasn't that back in the day we went there went to the mall across the street was the movie theater so that was our hangout spot for for sure
0: Okay, you mentioned hanging out at the mall. I did the same thing as well with Sherway because I was—I grew up in like the Dixie and Lakeshore area. So we took oh, the Mississauga okay. Transit bus over and it was either Dixie Mall or Sherway. When right. you're watching Mean Girls with people, do you like, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this? And they start going through the mall and you see, I guess you could oh. say it's the old food court, older food court, not the original one. Do you end up like poking people and being like, that's my Wait. mall, we used to hang Wait out Wait a there. second. You didn't know that?
1: What? That is brand new information. <laughs> yeah.
0: Go back and watch Mean Girls because. <gasps>
1: Watching it this weekend.
0: Which oh was weird God. because it was like, there were a lot of parts of that movie it's that funny. kind of mirrored my high school, my like my high school experience because we had some Mean Girls there. But it, it's <laughs> so surreal because then all of a sudden you're just like, because you remember the old, um, oh God, it's where it's where Nordstrom is now sort of or all, or like the Danish bakery or bake house or whatever it's called. You remember how they used to have the food court upstairs and they had like these big glass stairs. Yeah. That is clearly in the movie. Like you can't miss it. Like if you are, yeah. If you were a Sherway mall rat,
1: you would pick that
0: out immediately. And I'm always hitting people going, ask my mall.
1: Oh my God. That's so funny. Cause now that I'm like, trying to visualize the movie in my head i feel like they were in like the body shop or something in the movie and it looks super familiar like aren't, isn't that where she worked or something like it looked I, like a, a familiar setting I, I don't remember the shop.
0: yeah i don't remember what store it was exactly she worked at but that was definitely her mall, friend
1: but... worked there because she gave her the feet cream <laughs> Remember? <laughs> yes okay yeah
0: that movie is a guilty pleasure and a half i'd like totally. to throw that out there
1: yeah, my girls aren't totally old enough to watch it yet, but I can't wait for that.
0: <laughs> Yeah, that is. You're just like, here. here's my, wait, wait here are my teenage years right there.
1: <laughs> there Play button. I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's so funny. But
0: even though you spent most of your childhood and your teenage years in Toronto or in Etobicoke, you spent one year in Red Deer, Alberta. So what took the family or yourself out Oh, my out
1: God. There? So grade eight. Um, all my brothers and sisters were married, living you know, outside the home, obviously. And I was still at home, grade eight. And my dad's work transferred him to Red Deer to do a project. He was an engineer and they were building a air separation plant in Fort McMurray, Alberta. So it was a big project and they were like, you need to be out there for at least 12 months. So my mom was like, well, he can't go alone. I was like, okay, bye. You guys go. I'll be fine. <laughs> and that was not an option at, you know, 13. So I, uh, I moved there with my parents and started grade eight there, which was so traumatic, like unreal. I was heartbroken. I was like, but we're graduating and my friends and you know how, you know, it's your friends are your life at that age. So Yeah, it was a big move. Uh, We didn't end up being there as long as a year, but I was there for the majority of grade eight. I did actually get to come back and graduate with my class, which was great. Um, But yeah, I missed a lot. But at the same time, you know, as a mature adult now, looking back, the experience was was definitely, you know, one you grow from. And I still keep in touch with a girl that I met there to this day. So she's got three kids, you know, we've had kids at similar times. So yeah, it's kind of fun. We were pen pals for a long time before before social media and stuff. We used to write letters back and forth every week. And I used to go to Sherway to <laughs> that store. It was called like First Impression or Write Impressions or something. And then all the stationery, like I wish this was still a store because I love paper products. Um, but yeah, I used to go there and buy like fancy paper and write my letters to her. And it was like the big deal.
0: We should do a whole Sherway podcast. My, <laughs> throw, down <laughs> would, my throw down would be Campus Crew.
1: Oh, <gasps> Right? Love yeah, it. See there my we go. My whole So one of the jobs my dad got placed in Sarnia and I was so excited because we could go across the border to Michigan and wearing like basketball and bomber and football jackets was like a cool thing when I was young and my like favorite team was Michigan wearing the yellow and blue.
0: Going back to your <laughs> I guess less than 1 year in Red Deer, Alberta or sorry Fort McMurray I should say.
1: Well no, we were in Red Deer. He he drove, in
0: Red yeah. Deer. Oh, he drove to Fort McMurray. Yeah. Did going to that was that the first time you actually Move to a new school.
1: Yes, like completely cold. Completely, I went to um, Nativity of Our Lord, which is still there in Etobicoke, uh, for my entire childhood, and then had to move to a brand new school all the way in Alberta for like I guess I was there maybe eight months, nine months, something like that.
0: Were you already an outgoing individual back then, or did that force you to get out of your shell? <laughs> no, seriously, like honestly, because you have to make friends. I mean, yeah, you know, just, just to use myself anecdotally. I went to the same elementary school throughout uh, like from JK right through to grade eight. And then I went to a high school that barely anyone from my elementary school attended. So I had to force myself to make friends. It's not like I had a group that carried on with me. So did you have that? I mean, I, you had that exact same experience as well.
1: I mean, I was kind of an awkward 13 year old and the other part that I think kind of killed me was, oh, there's Jen from big city Toronto here in Red Deer. Like, she thinks she's so cool, which I didn't. I was just like, I don't know what to do. Um, But I think I had that stigma when, you know, you get the intro from the teacher. She's from Toronto. And like, it was a big deal, I guess. Not a lot of people move from Toronto to Red Deer. Um, But, you know, you found your groove and found your friends and you found your click And I would say I was not as outgoing as I am now. I definitely grew into that. Um, but yeah, definitely a life lesson for sure.
0: When you came back, was it different with those friends or did you just kind of like fall right back into places if no, you were yeah. never gone?
1: Yeah, I fell right back in. It was like, thank God I'm here. <laughs> I'm home. Yeah, totally. And then those friends, uh, we all moved to the same high school. So we all went to Michael Power.
0: Uh, so everything reset itself.
1: Everything worked out. Yes. But I feel like high school is a little bit of a reset anyway. Like even some close friends kind of fell in different cliques and stuff. And yeah, you meet new friends and stuff. But yeah, definitely my, my core girls, we, uh, we stayed pretty close in high school. So
0: what were your hobbies or interests growing up?
1: Like in high school?
0: Like at any point in growing <laughs> up, <laughs> we'll say your your hobbies or interests before you turned 18.
1: I got asked this a few weeks ago for something else, and I'm like, it was really about, like, the social stuff, so when are we going to the mall, what are we wearing, like, it was so cliche, but it was a lot about, like, boys and dances, and I wouldn't say I was, like, in any really big clubs, like, I was on the school newspaper, my uh, my best friend and I, we wrote the horoscope for our high school newspaper, which was pretty much just pulled out of like Bop Magazine. I
0: was just about to say, like, like, did you ever screw with some people? You'd be like, I don't like this person, and they're and they're a Taurus, so it's just like I'm just gonna write yeah. a yeah, and you write, uh, you write
1: something a little because I think it was anonymous who wrote them. Like, obviously, her and I kind of knew that we wrote them, but I think in the paper it was like you know miscellaneous guidance, whatever, like it didn't have our names attached to it. So if we knew that our best friend was this, we like, you're going to meet your love interest this month and your lucky numbers. Like we'd kind of play with it a little, but yeah, that's, that's really, like, I didn't really play sports that like we, we were great cheerleaders. Like we cheered on all our friends in sports. We had friends on the football team. Like power was a big football school and hockey too. And uh, coincidentally, um, those sports also had boys. So that really worked out for us. So. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, no, we were pretty boy crazy back then. So
0: I ask all my guests who their influences were growing up or if they had any and everyone comes back with an influence. You are the first person to come <laughs> back and say, no, I really can't put my finger on anyone.
1: Yeah. I know. It's funny that you, like, obviously I think there's people now as an adult, you're like, oh wow, that person really impacted my life. Like whether it was a boss or someone you follow on social or, but I think like back then you just like, I obviously had good role models. I think that was, that's a better term for me. Like, you know, my brothers and sisters were a lot older and you kind of saw that they went to school and, you know, your parents and that sort of thing. But I wouldn't say like, I was like, oh my God, I want to be like JLo when I grew up. Like I wasn't I don't know, or I can't remember. Maybe (laughs) my long-term memory has kind of killed it, but I don't remember, you know, aspiring to be like someone famous or.
0: Was there an actor or an actress though that kind of had you captivated during that time? Because I remember when I was a teenager and not that he was like my favorite actor or anything, but like, I would think I was in the 10th grade when Titanic came out or ninth ninth grade. It was Romeo and Juliet, 11th grade (sighs) for Titanic. yeah. And I think all throughout high school, every Girl in the high school was obsessed with Leonardo DiCaprio. Like he was on yeah. his his photo was on all of the locker doors.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I don't know if it's someone I aspire to, but definitely a heartthrob or whatever. He was he was there. I, I was um, more of a Mark Wahlberg fan still to this day. My husband realizes it. It's fine. It's a thing. Um, so Mark, if you're <laughs> listening, like you know, if you want to grab coffee, just let me know. Um, but yeah, he was definitely on my list of people that I watched and still to this day, watch every Mark Wahlberg movie.
0: Did you find it weird though? When all of a sudden he popped up in movies because he was like this one hit wonder, like Marky Mark and the funky yep. bunch. He had this one hit wonder. And all of a sudden I forget what movie he was in. It was a supporting. Finger. Oh no. It was uh, a, it was like a cop movie or it was like a supporting, supporting role. And I remember watching the yeah. trailer and I'm like, Mark Wahlberg. I'm like, Mark, that Mark Wahlberg. And then it was like a year later, there's another movie he's in. And then oh, the next yeah. year, two movies. And then, yep. and then just, it kept going. Like, were you just kind of like, what? Like, did you, yeah, get, I was it Mark I Wahlberg the actor that you followed or was it Marky Mark who caught your attention?
1: I, well, I think it kind of went from both. Like, it started with the Marky Mark, and then I was like, "Feel oh, it, just... feel it." Yeah, totally. No, <laughs> you, you don't understand. So, probably, I don't know. COVID's ruined my timeline, but maybe like eight years ago, New Kids on the Block came, and me and my girlfriend from high school, we we like New Kids. That's fine, I admit it. We went to the concert, and halfway through the concert. They started on the piano with good vibrations and I literally lost my shit because I thought Mark Wahlberg was going to (laughs) come on stage and I was like, oh my God, I'm not prepared for this mentally. He did not show up, thank God, because I may have had a heart attack, but yes, I might have been pregnant at the time, so maybe (laughs) I was just like, but yeah, it was like a moment for me. I was like, oh my God, he might come on stage. Anyway, I digress, but... (laughs)
0: Like many of my guests, your first your first part time job ever was babysitting. However, I guess you could oh, yeah. say your first formal part time job I guess where you got a T four slip or I guess a pay stub. Yes, working at the hot oven bakery in Cloverdale Mall.
1: Uh, is it there anymore? I don't know. I don't know. think it's there. Was it in I the food court so. center?
0: No, was it, it was
1: right. Uh, it was at the end of the mall. I'm trying so to
0: where where Target was that? There's nothing but, there anymore because Target like came and went.
1: Came and went, was Zeller's there at one point? Was that where Zeller, or I no, that was, was that was, Honeydale Mall?
0: No, there was, no, that was Walmart. Because mm. Honey, I think Honeydale Mall, speaking of movies, I could have sworn the Honeydale Mall, which is like condemned now, was used for a the zombie. Condo. <laughs> movie. No, I think it was used for, I don't think yet, but it was used for like a zombie movie. Like, I remember that Honeydale Mall had Walmart. Walmart left and went near Sherway, where they built that mega one around the right. corner. Yep. And then I remember it was either BlogTO or Narcity did... An article on Honeydale Mall, and basically they had one Chinese food restaurant open. Oh and, yeah, and like maybe a couple of other professional businesses, like maybe a like lawyer, a or doctor. Or yeah, a tax <laughs> accountant, and that's it. And it was, and I think they've used that mall for, I think one of the Resident Evil films.
1: Really? Was, because
0: they have it conde- it's practically condemned. No one's there.
1: Oh. Okay. So yeah, I don't know how long it's been since Hot Evan Bakery has been in Cloverdale. They were on like Bloor Street. I think they still have a location, like Bloor and Rural York area, but the best chicken pot pies, like if that's your thing, the best. And they used to do a lemon coconut square that I would die for. They stopped doing that. I was like, what? But that was my first job, which was really hard because math was not my strong suit. And like they didn't have cash registers like today. So you had to do all the math in your head. And I was terrified to be on cash because they used to have a ca- like a cashier when you walked out and she did everything all we were doing was like bread and like whatever but at a certain point in the night she would close her till and we would have to do it <gasps> i was always terrified
0: <laughs> no i know that feeling because you don't have a digital screen you're literally working off what's oh, printed yeah. on the receipt and you can't really amend it because the mistake is still there and it follows yeah. you up you're
1: like please <laughs> yeah. god give me exact change please god give me
0: exact i know change. or if we're gonna be off let's be off by a penny we we, we, yeah. we can deal with that no one's gonna think we're skimming
1: Yeah. And then the little old ladies would come in with their like $50 bill and buy like two loaves of bread. You're like, oh my God. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I know. First world
1: problem there, but yeah.
0: Have you been to Cloverdale Mall recently?
1: I can't say I've been there in in a long time. Yeah. Uh,
0: Laura Secor is gone. That that closed down uh, during the pandemic. And uh, they've got like a generic, I think it's a generic sandwich shop there. Like no one's really putting a lot of effort in. (laughs) And the luggage store closed down and turned into a comic book store. And apparently, they're planning on building a brand-spanking new food quarter, food pavilion, because really, it's where the Zellers slash Target.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: because they still haven't done. I was wondering
1: if Zellers was gonna go back there, because that's probably like their demographic right there. I don't know, but maybe it's
0: it's one of those weird malls where it's like it's got something you absolutely want, and it has an
1: LCBO, so it's never gonna go anywhere. It's got an (laughs)
0: LCBO
1: and a HomeSense now, right? Isn't that at the end? Is that a HomeSense? Uh, They're winners.
0: They've got a winners, and there's uh, an old colleague of mine used to joke about the home hardware they have there, because the home hardware is like ten percent. No, no, that's where the dollarama is. Oh, because dollarama! This is—we should call this the Sherway Cloverdale Mall podcast because <laughs> this, this is what we're doing.
1: This isn't about Jed. This is like a memory lane. You and I should have done this recording walking through Etobicoke. That's what we should have. Done. We
0: we should have. But Next the time. Uh, no, no, absolutely. But the home hardware. We joke that the home hardware is like ten to twenty percent hardware, and the other eighty percent is like stuff you'd buy from a direct response uh, it's like commercial where it's just like call now and get you know, 10% oh off or as okay. seen on TV on all the boxes. Like, Oh yeah. If you're looking for a food dehydrator or nice. anything that folds and fits under a bed, they're selling oh it for God. you.
1: I want to go there this weekend. Maybe bring the kids, yes. <laughs> bring the kids. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. So what brought you to Humber and why study advertising?
1: Okay. So that's a funny story. So obviously being, you know, I would say a typical teen in the 90s boy crazy mean girl sure way we've captured all that i was like i wasn't a great student like i wasn't like i want to learn and be great i want to be a vet for a long time until i took grade 11 biology and i was like whoa hard path um so i didn't really know what i wanted to do like i don't know my parents were like you need to go to secondary like (laughs) they were like forcing that because all my brothers and sisters went to university and So that was a big thing for my parents. Um, So I guess when I went to school, there was still grade 13. I think we were the last class to have grade 13. Or maybe it was like the year before. So pretty early on, they're like, okay, like start to think about college university. And uh, so I didn't have the marks to get into university. And I wasn't about to like turn things around in grade 11. So um, yeah, just started looking at colleges and stuff and found the Humber you know, close by, I, I didn't really have ambitions to like live on campus and do all that. Although I wish I had, like, I will totally encourage my girls to like go away to school and live on campus. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just started reading through and obviously they have the prerequisites and what you need. And for some strange reason, the advertising program did not have math as a prerequisite. So I was like, Ooh, this looks interesting, you know, (laughs) dealing with my, my change, uh, issues at, uh, Cloverdale Mall. But, um, yeah, just sort of applied. It looked interesting. You know, I, I got the concept of advertising. I was like, okay, I know what this is. This makes sense. And, uh, and I applied and actually got in. So, and absolutely loved that program. Like it changed my life.
0: Yeah. Were you at the North or the South campus?
1: Uh, the program was at North. So I went for, uh, advertising media sales with North was North campus when I went, it's now at South. I'm pretty sure.
0: After Humber, you went to Ryerson to study magazine publishing. So how do you go from someone who wasn't too crazy about school to I'll take this to give me yeah. some more?
1: Actually, I going to go back for one sec. Cause it was kind of funny. The first day we started class at Humber, the professors there, which a lot of people in the advertising industry will know this term. You're we a Barb and Donna kid. So they ran the program and they sat us in the first day and they're like, look to your left and look to your right because those people won't be here when you graduate. And I was like, damn. And they were true. I think 78 or 76 of us started that program and 22 of us graduated. It was crazy.
0: That was cutthroat. Jeez. Yeah, I totally.
1: Uh, so the fact that I actually graduated and did well, like was pretty remarkable to my parents. They were like, Whoa, look at you. Um, and you can kind of go in two ways. Once you graduated, you can go into sales or you can go like agency side. That's kind of what they prepped you for. So I was pretty sure that I wanted to be in sales, knowing my then bubbly personality. And, you know, just, you know, I wasn't like, okay, media planning and buying was like something you kind of did, but I saw myself more as a salesperson. So got a job pretty quickly out of school at a B2B, like directory, like it was a pretty interesting role, but got me kind of on the print side. I, you know, I think my dream, once I started the program, you kind of started looking forward was, you know, wanted to work at like a house and home magazine or something like that. Um, So eventually got a job at Rogers in their publishing department um, on their B2B side, not um, not the cool like house and home or flair or any of those ones. But um, so when like, I was we're talking
0: that- like a Canadian grocer where they used to have Katie, yeah, I know they, they, they divested themselves from the assets, but it was Canadian so, grocer. They had yes, uh, Marketing was magazine part was part of it.
1: Yeah, that was all part of it. So I wasn't that cool. Um, okay. <laughs> I worked for a paint and coatings magazine and a chemical processing magazine, but definitely got my foot in the door. Definitely learned the hustle of sales. You know, learned obviously print layout, and you know was a small team there too. Like I was one, there was maybe one or two salespeople on the magazine. You worked directly with the publisher and the editor, and I did all the trade shows and traveled, and you know lived the life <laughs> um, back then. And then you know, I think they. They really supported kind of other educational opportunities. I think Rogers at the time actually paid for courses if you wanted to take them and it related to your job and stuff. so that's why I took those program those courses at Ryerson.
0: okay, so how did Ryerson stack up to what you were doing at Humber like was there any overlap? Did it complement what you were yeah. doing or what you had learned before?
1: Yeah, it was a little bit different. They were shorter programs. Like, I think they were only six months or something. Like, it was kind of like after work, we went and did the courses. Um, But yeah, there was a good teacher, just kind of taught you the fundamentals. You know, if you wanted to start your own magazine. I mean, the internet was slowly becoming a thing. So yeah, just I thought print was a cool place to be. I like the, you know, the concept of, you know, um, the layout of the magazine, how editorial and advertising work together. So yeah, it was a good program too. I liked it.
0: And and that first B2B magazine directory job that you had at uh, Rogers that kind of set you up for, I guess, success later on in your career, because from there you moved to what was it, the ne- the uh, the weather network. you I guess you oh, were yeah. the, your first digital sales rep, I believe.
1: I definitely wanted to get on the consumer side. I mean, B2B is cool and definitely, you know a niche for sure, but I wanted to get on the consumer side. To, to land that house and home magazine job, I needed to get more experience working with, you know, the big agencies and the consumer brands and stuff. And uh, although I was told dot-coms wouldn't uh, wouldn't last and they're not a stable job, I thought uh, the Weather Network had had something. I don't know. They, they seemed like a reputable brand. So um, I applied to be one of their first um, digital sales reps. So I think there was only two i think one person was full-time and then one person was kind of the tv rep slash web rep and so i was one of their uh, next sort of full-time web sales rep. so one of my first clients was like dell and uh and disney like when you did the the movies you know you subscribe to get all the, oh, the, the the homepage the, takeovers yeah no like the um um I think it was Disney that did it where you like subscribe to the thing and then you got like movies sent to you and then you'd send them back. Oh, was like,
0: Columbia house.
1: Yeah. Like something there we like go. that. Something yeah. Like, yes. yeah. Something
0: like 10 movies for a penny. But then you end up <laughs> totally, paying bucks yes. dollars for the, like the ninth one. Or 100%.
1: Something. They were like my first clients. Yeah. <laughs> they were the only ones who had dollars to spend on digital back then.
0: It was, I understand it was hit or miss. And I mean, I, I go, my digital career goes back quite a ways as well, but yeah, there were clients that were like, we don't know about this internet. So we keep putting money in, in TV and radio. I'm like, I don't know. It might catch on.
1: It might catch on. It's risky. I think back then, like CPMs were like $25. I was right. actually just reflecting like on the the small today. banners at the top. Yeah. Like, what was it? Like a 468 by 60 or whatever that size used to be.
0: <laughs> it was like run of site for like a big yeah. box would be like 20 to 25. But if you do run of category, if you open up yeah. that window, totally. and you're willing to scale. Yeah, it could get as low as 12. <laughs> now it's like 12 is like, get out of here. We're not paying that rate. Right. So cool. Can I just ask you quickly, the difference between B2B and consumer, I know consumer is far sexier than B2B. But someone once said something to me about B2B that really resonated, that if you work for a a publication that people can't buy around, like it sounded like you were working for some very, very, very niche publications. Yes. It seems like the money comes to you. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to underplay like any of your efforts or anything like that, but it seems (laughs) like they can't go elsewhere. The same way people are like, well, can't really buy around Google or Facebook.
1: There was a lot more going on because print was like the sexy media next to TV back then. Um, so there was a few other publications. I think Transcon had like a like a competitor B2B for the categories that I was working on. So, um, I mean, there still was competition, obviously. But yeah, we were definitely regarded well being a Rogers um, brand for sure. So what brought you to Expedia? So I had been at the Weather Network for five years. Um, You know, during that time, that's when I started with the ad club and, you know, kind of grew my network. I like the volunteering aspect. I definitely love digital. It uh, met a lot of great people, had a lot of great clients. And yeah, an opportunity at Expedia just kind of, I knew the guy that was there. So the person who was selling before me at Expedia moved to Hong Kong, I think is where he moved. Overseas. And uh, so they were looking for someone to replace him to run Expedia.ca and Hotels.ca for their advertising side. It was called Media Solutions, it still is. Um, And so, yeah, I met with the guys that were there. They flew in from Seattle and I met with them and just really great guys. And, you know, thinking back, I probably shouldn't have done the Burlington to Toronto commute because then I was in that commute for a long time. But, yeah, it was a great and very different, right? Like at the Weather Network, advertising is obviously a main source of revenue. Um, at Expedia, it's travel. Like the advertising revenue is like second to the travel, obviously. So it was different focus on on what I was doing. And obviously a lot different. My clients were um, not as well versed in the advertising space. Like they sold travel or packages or airline tickets or you know whatever they were doing so there's a lot more education on how the advertising and the media solutions complemented them being on the expedia store so yeah i loved it it was a great job
0: i have some experience with what you're saying there and i want to yeah. see if there are any parallels did you sure. find yourself sitting across the table from people that had budgets but didn't even know what cpm meant and i mean that's <laughs> <I'm> not knocking <laughs> one genuine thousand
1: percent no for yeah. sure um, you know, I came from working with agencies and it was like, okay, I got this and CPM and, and you'd sign the contract pretty much like, okay, Jen, I, especially being the weather network, like it was a always on buy, right. For a lot of brands. Um, then to move to Expedia where they're like, okay, we have these marketing funds. And sometimes it like was a percentage of the sales of their room or flights or whatever they were selling, they got put into like these marketing funds. And sometimes they would have pretty significant dollars and they were like, we don't even know what to do with these. So it was like, okay, well, here's what we can do. This is what this means. This is what success looks like. Like, let me know if this collides with your KPIs. And yeah, it was a bit more handholding. And, um, but I like that. Like I liked being more invested in that side of it and, and helping them make those decisions.
0: See, I like that, too. And I think working with people that don't have any formal media experience can be a lot. No, it literally can be a lot more daunting than than a tough client that will ask you every question in the book, because I find that the latter or sorry, the former those people that we have to kind of teach from scratch, they have trust issues. (laughs) <laughs> that you have to get over quite quickly. Like I imagine some of those clients called you up one day and was like, Jen, I'm on the website. Why can't I see my ad? Oh, even yeah. You, yeah, even though you sold them 1 million impressions in the, and, and the Expedia oh, site's they're... probably delivering like a billion in one month.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I had that at the Weather Network too. I, I had both days where they're like, I'm on the website and I can't see our ad. <laughs> so yeah, it's, yeah. Uh... But, but I like that part of it. And I think that, I don't know if I'm skipping some things in the questions you wanted to ask me, but I feel like Expedia kind of helped me realize that I liked helping brands make decisions for their marketing dollars. So I think that's, that role really helped me focus in on where I saw my career going. Obviously at Expedia, you know, I started to have a family and had some kids and, you know, I did some freelance work and I I worked at a few other places and stuff. But um, when I kind of, you know, had my two kids and, you know, was living in Burlington and, you know, not wanting to commute to Toronto anymore and really sat down and said, like, what do I want to be when I grow up? You know, I I sort of categorized all the things that I liked at all the different jobs I had. And, you know, I liked the sales part. I liked that rush, but, you know, I really liked helping brands figure out what to do with their dollars and, and how, the experience that I had at different roles I could then help them make more educated decisions on what really works and what moves the needle and you know that sort of thing so that's when I really decided that I wanted to work for a brand so
0: here I am so let's bring this full circle then sure sure x like yeah did you find the role did the role find you and oh my god did it's- you have to do a lot of thinking getting out of sales and going into marketing and I'm going to throw something out there that hangs over the head of every sales rep is like, Hey, I can go to a marketing job, which I'm not saying it isn't stressful, has a little bit less stress, but you give up the, uh, the commission checks.
1: Yeah, that like, that's, a, that's a
0: difficult decision to make, especially 100%. Like you, you've got a, you you've got two daughters, you've got a family.
1: No, a hundred percent. That definitely was probably one of the negatives of, of moving from sales to, uh, you know, a marketing role. But, um, my, my, I landed here very uniquely. It's a, I think it's a funny story. So, you know, I'm in sales, I can sell anything. Like, what do you want me to sell? Let's do it. So I thought I could sell insurance. I didn't realize you needed to have like licenses to sell insurance. I now (laughs) know this. Um, but I applied for the role. I'm like, okay. And I think like, we have done things where you know surex has helped get people licensed and stuff so i think it was you know you don't need that licensing like if it's the right person then they kind of helped you back then anyhow so i applied and uh, i get this random text message from from matt alston who's our coo uh, saying hey are we still good to chat you know this day and i was like "Uh, i don't think we have a meeting like i'm pretty organized um and like no sooner did i try to respond to this person messaging me when he called. So I was like, hey, like, I don't think we had something. He's like, well, are you are you good to talk now? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, let's let's get into this kind of thing. So he started asking me about my history and this and that. And he was like, Oh, he's like, We've been thinking about hiring like a director of marketing for a while. He's like, I think you might be a better fit for that. And I was like, 100 percent Like, I'm not a <laughs> I don't think I'm an insurance broker. Like, that's a very specific skill set. So he asked me to come in and meet with him. And the funny part of this is that um, the day I was supposed to meet with him, so he's obviously in Alberta, I flew into Burlington to meet with a bunch of people, me meeting one of them. So that morning, uh, my daughter decided that would be a really great day to run in our house and she slammed her head against a pillar in our home and needed four stitches. Oh. So I text him going, "Hey, just run into the hospital, <laughs> get my kids some stitches. Can we just like meet later today?" And he was like, "100%, like let me know how it goes." He's got a couple of kids, so he got it. So bring Lily to the hospital, get some stitches and you know, she was what was she? I guess she was 3. <laughs> so um I leave the hospital. I'm like, Lily, are you okay to go to school? She's like, yeah, mommy, I'm fine. I'm like, awesome. So I dropped her off at daycare, told them what happened. They're like, okay, well, yeah, she seems fine. I'm like, okay. So I text Matt and I was like, hey, I can come meet. He's like, oh, okay, cool. I'm just finishing lunch. Like whatever. Anyway, I find it later. He had kind of written me off. He's like, who's going to come to this interview after their kid's been like in the hospital, needed stitches, but Anyhow, I did meet with him. We hit it off. He's an amazing guy, um, and he agreed that you know I would be a good fit for their director of marketing. He spoke with Lance, and like later that day, they offered me the job. So it was pretty crazy.
0: And what's it been like being on the other side of the table and having yeah. and having sales reps come by and being I, like, "Hey, spend your dollars with us."
1: So two things. One, I think it would have been much harder if I had gone to a company that already had all this set up, right? They were very like, we don't know what we don't know. So let's start. And if we do something right, great. If we do something wrong, we'll learn from it. Like they were really great at sort of building the department, which I I very much valued. Um, so that part was great. And then I think I've also been a good client too, because I know what it's like on the sales side. So I've been very transparent with, I think every salesperson that's contacted me like, Hey, you know, we, we do have dollars for this. This is what I need. Or we don't have the dollars for this. This isn't what I think we can do because as a salesperson, I would have valued that. Like, why am I going to waste my time trying to make the sale if it's never going to happen? You know what I mean? Like there's, there's, you know, keeping in touch, but then there's just like wasting time with people. And I wish there was more honesty and transparency, like of how you could make that buy or how, you know, you could not.
0: (laughs) We need more empathetic clients. Thank you, <laughs> on behalf of everyone still on this side of the table. Oh Thank you.
1: I know what I worked with. We we hired um, an ocean in the beginning to work with our brand, and uh, Spiro was always like Jen. Everyone on the team always says like how great it is to work with you, and you know you're such a great client. And I was like, that's awesome. That's what I want to be. I want to be the great client.
0: Throughout your career, though, you've also been giving back to the industry. So. Talk to us about some of the volunteer work you've done with the Advertising Club of Toronto. And that's where we got to meet each other.
1: Yeah, that started at the Weather Network. And I guess I went to lots of ad club parties and I was like, this is a pretty good like place to be. And um, Jane was the president there and I got to know her and she reached out to me. I forget who was running the social events before me. I forget. Anyhow, um, she was like, hey, we have a spot on the board. Like, do you think you could fit this into your schedule and i was like yeah absolutely so i started right on the board even before i joined a committee i think Mm, i might have been on something before but um i started running the social uh party so that was holiday party and summer party oh so it was one
0: committee for both then because i
1: think they keep them separate now so they separated after i went on mat leave and someone else took over going how the beep did jen do both events um (laughs) So yeah, it was, I did manage both events um, for, for four years, I think, summer party and holiday party. And then um, I, uh, I volunteered on digital or sorry, it was internet day for a while. Maybe that was where I met them. And then I, I, took myself off that committee to then run. I think maybe that was it. I forget. Um, so yeah, internet day, I was on the board or on the committee for that for a long time, um, which was a great uh, team. And then in the last couple of years, um, I was co-chair of digital day. So Tracy and I did that for, was it three years? I think we read three events together. Uh, it was, three. it was,
0: th- I'd say it was three possibly four. So. Cause if they do, they okay. do like it. They tried it. They were well not tried, but they get you in for two years. Then it's supposed to flip. So I think you guys were there for right. maybe four years.
1: They kept us longer than they should. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, we liked it. Uh, but yeah, that's where we met. That's where I've had lots of great people like Jamie Thompson and I don't even know, like, uh, Laden and yeah, there's like lots of people that I wouldn't necessarily have met, especially on the sales side, right? Like you meet agency people being in sales, but meeting the salespeople, that was because salespeople are always at those events, right? So that's how I met a lot of great people in the industry for sure.
0: And it's interesting to get to know your peers, regardless of what they do on, uh, on an even playing field. Because when you yeah. are part of that committee, you're not trying to sell something to someone. You're trying to get something done. So you kind of have to work with them in ways that, you haven't done before you're not paid yeah. to work with them a certain way it's like you're still trying to put your best foot forward I know I'm rambling right now but you know what I'm getting
1: at no no for sure yeah no I uh I very much liked being involved with the Odd club I like that we gave back to the you know colleges and universities I like that we gave back to nabs like it was always a good time for sure before we kind of get to rapid fire questions I, it's just a funny thought as I think back so I know we've talked about my teen years like I wasn't that ambitious I you know I was really, you know, motivated by the fun and the friends and the boys and, um, sure way, obviously. Um, I, I just think how amazing it is now that I've been able, I found a program like Humber and like I said, really did turn things around for me. Um, it, it's funny now that as an adult, you're like, Oh, you meet people and what did you go to school for? And you know, they're whatever they are. And they went to school for like agriculture, like just different things. So I feel like I'm really proud that I went to school for and I'm still in the industry that I went to school for. Um, I just feel like, you know, I found my purpose and I love the marketing and I, I just love all this stuff. I was excited about learning and all the achievements. Like I was top sales rep for some places I worked. I won a sales award from the ad club and it really, you know, set the bar for me to just kind of do more. Um, I think people who meet me in my adult life, they're like, how do you do it all? You know, I have two girls, my husband runs his own business that I help him with. And funny enough, I just recently started a side business with my daughter. Um, it's called girly kits. So we actually make first period kits for girls. There was a gap in the market. And as a marketer, I was like, Ooh, what's this? Um, so yeah, helping her sort of navigate this next chapter of her life. And obviously for my younger daughter, um, but I just love that, you know, we're sharing this thing, we've got this bond and showing them that entrepreneurship is actually a legit career path as well. Um, I've learned now that I just, I can't sit still and let the world pass me by. I need to be involved and make things happen and use my outgoing personality um, to really do more. And whether that's in my day job at Shurex and, you know, helping push the needle on bringing that brand to the the masses or, you know, helping my my daughter navigate this next chapter of her life and just helping girls and what they're doing, but I've just this advertising industry is is like family. Like I've met so many great friends and and just um met some great really great mentors. You know, we talked about not really having that as a kid, but I've had amazing bosses and people that I've worked with and really amazing people who just support you no matter what you're doing. So anyway, I just think that, you know, if I can give any advice to those listening. It's really do what you love, and uh, and you'll have a successful career or life or whatever you're doing. So,
0: amen to that. That's a there perfect way. As a perfect <laughs> way to move into rapid fire questions, the campaign you were most proud of.
1: I'm sure there was lots on the sales side, but I think when I started at ShareX, our very first campaign. I don't even know if we had a name for it. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, but. I was actually talent in the video. So um, it was all about like how you meet your person, right? Like, so when you go on Shurex and you start a quote, we we assign you to an insurance advisor. Um, So we sort of spun that into a a great new branding video. So yeah, that's my favorite so far.
0: Your favorite movies and emphasis on movies, plural.
1: I have a lot. I love the rom-coms, right? Although now I want to watch Mean Girls. I want to add Mean Girls to my list. (laughs) We can add it um Friends with Benefits, How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days, love a good suspense. So like, and and shows too, right? Like Suits, Breaking Bad. I'm watching Bosch right now. I'm loving that. So yeah, that's my jam.
0: You definitely love suspenseful television because both Suits and Breaking Bad. I mean, those shows would give me anxieties at certain oh, points.
1: Same with Bosch. Like, oh, it's a good one too. It's good
0: I stop. I stop Bosch after the third season. I oh. my mom's all over it. She says that he's a spoiler yes. alert PI now. So.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay, I'm not okay. there yet.
0: Well, okay, <laughs> well then, let's just, oh. next question. Okay. If Hollywood were to make a movie based on your life story, who would you want to play you?
1: I I love Christina Applegate. Like, I love her. I love her sense of humor. I love her style. I love her wit. Like, she's awesome.
0: Follow-up question. If Hollywood were to make that movie based on your life story, what would you call it?
1: I don't know, like, Life of the Party, Maybe.
0: That's not a bad title hey, I
1: don't know. <laughs> it would probably get a lot of views. I don't know. <laughs> it
0: would come up quite easily in search. There
1: if you someone go. Someone's searching See?
0: life and party boom. It comes right to the Always top. Always
1: thinking of the SEO strategy. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Your favorite book.
1: So I'm not a huge reader. I have this thing where I can only read in the summer on my back deck. I don't know why. Um, but my favorite author is Emily Giffen. So I will like devour any book she writes. So if she's listening, she needs to write another book because I'm all cut up. <laughs> okay.
0: Your favorite song.
1: Oh, my God. So 90s girl over here. Um, I am a hip hop, R&B, reggae, you know, anything from Biggie, TLC, 112. I'm there for it. Um, my my Spotify playlist is quite eclectic. So, you know, I'm a bit of a beaver fan. <laughs> <laughs> um pink bruno mars adele ed sheeran like i don't really have a favorite song i guess maybe my wedding song you and i by Lifehouse, was our wedding song so maybe that should be my favorite song
0: i don't know why this came to mind but when you said 90s hip-hop mace was the first one that hit. <laughs> oh me.
1: i found out he's like a preacher now or something
0: yeah he was one of those guys that i think he was a one-hit wonder on his own
1: yeah, I mean, I was,
0: oh, it was his decision. Like he decided to back out of it early on where everyone else kept going. And I don't even know what we call Puff Daddy anymore, but I, I still know. have mad respect for him.
1: But side note, um, somebody just posted there's this like 90s crazy concert in Vegas in May. You should look it up because I think everybody you've ever listened to in the 90s is at this concert. Like it's ridiculous. So
0: so it's basically it going to be like much dance. <laughs> Ninety five. Shiny tunes. Three put together
1: yes absolutely you remember those cds <laughs> weren't
0: they the greatest okay,
1: my very first cd because cds were like when i was a teenager was dance mix 92 What? what there you
0: go yeah i had that i had that one on cassette i was a late oh. bloomer when it, I, I was a late bloomer when it came to uh getting cds it was just the way the family thought it was just like well you have all these cassettes and a cassette yeah. player why would we make them obsolete with a cd player even though but they came needed bundled oh, together
1: yeah because i had the the sony walkman with the Tape, but then I had the CD boombox like at home on my desk.
0: See, I was Panasonic Shockwave. That's what <laughs> so I had. Funny. I wasn't a Walkman person. Although you can find all of those albums on Spotify now. Someone oh. has someone has taken the time to upload the album image and put together a playlist for all of the oh, Much Dance and Big Shiny stop. tunes and it is incredibly nostalgic.
1: And did you have a Much Music Dance at your high school?
0: Like uh yes party? we did i was i was in elementary school it wasn't at the high oh. school it was elementary school like the you're tail like a end couple of years
1: younger than me so i guess
0: that's why it was it was at the tail end and yeah that was incredible yeah. we'll never have those again much <laughs> music was quite the brand back then it wasn't it just was. the channel
1: speakers corner i feel like i heard that came back or it's coming back
0: I see. I don't know if that's if that's even relevant anymore because you turn on Instagram or TikTok and everyone's got their phone complaining about something and saying this right. is how the world should be run. And it's yeah, like, but
1: doing it on the street in a booth where you cram your face in is way funner.
0: <laughs> that's true. Okay, so one. Did you ever watch the Speaker's Corner TV show? Like, yes. not like when it was a segment on on like when, City Pulse and, News, but like an actual like thirty minutes of just yeah. clips of people.
1: Hundred percent. And wasn't Ed the sock part of that? Wasn't he part of it?
0: Do you remember his fromage where he would just mock the videos? Oh <laughs> check out Ed the Sock fromage. His... And what
1: was and this is gonna go long, you probably have to add all this, but the other one, the video where they had like the did you know like speech bubbles that used to pop up? What was that?
0: Oh pop a video. Yeah, video. Yep. <laughs> so fun. I do yeah, I do remember those quite a bit. Yeah, those those were the days. Do we just
1: do this every Friday and reminisce about our cool teenage years?
0: I had Heather Gordon from ACast on, and oh. she used to run much music or much music's um ad sales uh, right. a while back, and she was there for the intimate interactives, like all that sort of oh, like that, cool. like when they would shut down Queen and John, like, yes. and we just don't have that anymore. It's like that's no. completely evaporated.
1: Yeah, that should come back.
0: The best <laughs> advice you have ever received:
1: Do what makes you happy.
0: My signature closing question, if you weren't in media, what do you think you'd be doing and why?
1: I don't know if it still applies, but someone always said, like, if you weren't doing this, you should be a cruise ship director. And I feel like I could still do that. Like, I like running events. Like, I think that's why I like volunteer with ad club and stuff. Like, I like running events. And, you know, I've been at things where, you know, my playlist has become the music of the evening. So DJ Jazzy Jen is, you know, my my side.
0: (laughs) I got that reference.
1: I love that. And then, yeah, just like having fun, being on a cruise ship—like I think I could rock that totally.
0: Well, summertime from the Fresh Prince <laughs> is going through my head right now. That's my favorite uh, Will Smith song.
1: There you go, getting jiggy with it. My daughter had a dance routine to get in jiggy with it. And she was like, "Mommy, this is a cool new song," and I was like, "Um, it's not new, but I agree, it's cool."
0: <laughs> Jen, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time.
1: No problem. It was so fun.
0: That's it for today's show. For more episodes, you can go to mediapeople.ca or subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Vic Genova.